0: I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me once again to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. We continue our series where we're walking through the hall of faith. Hebrews, the preacher, shares with us about all these different characters of the Old Testament. Their faith and how their faith can be an example for us, mentoring us So when we turn the page to chapter 12, the preacher of Hebrews will say, Let us now run the race set before us. Today, we learn from the example of Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth, because they saw that the child was beautiful, And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward." By faith, he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, But when the Egyptians tempted to do so, they were drowned. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this opportunity to study it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, this, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own Through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. I love the story of Moses. Clearly, he's one of the most prominent figures in the Old Testament, even one of the most prominent figures in the Bible. As a matter of fact, he becomes known as the great law giver, where God gives to Moses his law, his word. This is what it looks like to be the people of God. This is how the people of God act and behave. Moses' name actually becomes synonymous with the law. People would talk about hearing from Moses, and it's meaning the references of God or the, the law of God that God is sharing. You hear Moses and Elijah joined together, thinking about the law, Moses, and Elijah, the prophets. And it's Moses and Elijah who joined together with Jesus at the transfiguration. And there together we see Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophet, Jesus, the Messiah, God's story of salvation, all joined together. Moses, arguably the most important character and the important person in the Old Testament. You might remember how we get to the story of Moses. Last week we were looking at Joseph and Jacob, his father, and how there was a famine throughout the region. But Joseph, who was now in Egypt, had become Pharaoh's number two person. And how he saw this vision from God as he interpreted Pharaoh's dream that there was going to be a famine in the land. So he stored up all the food and all the, the things that they would need to get through these hard times. And when the hard times came, Jacob brought his family, 70 of them, the Hebrew people, the children of Israel, into Egypt to be spared, to have food and to be provided for by Joseph. But then... We get to the story of Exodus, and it does not take long before we realize there's going to be trouble. As a matter of fact, if you turn back in the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, you hear the words that now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Here we go. Obviously, things are going to be different. It's a new Pharaoh. It's a new king. Not the one that had elevated Joseph. Not the one that had confidence in him, but a new one. And he did not know Joseph. Every time I read that scripture, I'm reminded of when the bishop spoke to me about 13 and a half, 14 years ago about coming to this church as the pastor. It was going to be a mid-year move, and I was a little anxious about it, to be honest with you. We were meeting together at a Cracker Barrel for breakfast, and as we were having the conversation, I shared with him one of my concerns, Bishop, is that you're going to move me in the middle of the year to this church. I was serving a strong church, a rapidly growing church, and, and you want me to move and change all of that in the middle of the year, and then you're going to retire in September. And I said, my fear is there will be a new Pharaoh who does not know Joseph. What's that going to look like? What's it going to be like? And every time after that, when he would send me an email, send me a letter, we would have correspondence. Even if he called, he would go, this is the Pharaoh that remembers Joseph. I love that line because we're now told there's going to be some problems. And one of the problems was the Hebrew people had grown so much in number, so much in strength, that the new Pharaoh begins to be threatened. He begins to be concerned. There's more of them than us. There's more power with them than there is with us. And so what does he do? He implements measures to try to control them. He has the Hebrew people taken into slavery. They are assigned taskmasters to worked them hard in the fields or making mortar and bricks so that he could build up his kingdom. But the Hebrew people continued to grow. How do we control the population? So Pharaoh then decided when a male child is born, that child needs to be destroyed. The girls can live, but if a male child is born, they're to be destroyed. And he shared that with the midwives. But fortunately... There were a couple of midwives in particular that just trusted in God and they feared God and they knew this is not the right thing and they refused to do it and God protected and blessed them. But the Hebrew people continued to grow. So Pharaoh then made an edict that any time a male child was born, the child was to be thrown into the Nile River to die. Well, one day there was a couple that had this beautiful baby boy. They knew the edict that the Pharaoh had given, but they loved their child and knew from God that this child was to be different. So mom nursed the child and raised the child for the first three months, hiding the child, protecting the child. But then she knew, the family knew after this child was three months old, we can't hide much longer and rather than just throwing him in the Nile, she got a basket. And she covered the basket with bitumen and pitch. Now what's interesting about this is those are the same words. a Hebrew word describing the protective coating she put on the basket was the same Hebrew word used in Noah's Ark. It was to become a vessel that would protect God's people. And Moses is then placed in the basket and placed in the Nile. And there he's laid among the reeds. Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the Nile River to bathe. And while she's there, she looks over and she notices this basket that's hung up in the reeds. And she wants to see what's in it. In the meantime, Moses' older sister had been hanging out along the banks, watching what was happening to see what would take place with her little brother. And she notices that the Pharaoh's daughter takes the basket, looks inside. Now this can go one of two ways, because Pharaoh had given the edict that all male children born were to be destroyed and thrown into the Nile. And this is Pharaoh's daughter who's looking in the basket. But when she sees this beautiful baby boy, she's filled with compassion and she decides to take him as her own. And his big sister was quite the character because she had this brilliant idea and goes up to the Pharaoh's daughter and says, would you like for me to go find one of the Hebrew women who can then nurse this child and take care of it uh, until you're able to take it for yourself? Excellent idea. Go find me a nursemaid. And she goes and finds her own mother the mother of the child in the basket, the mother of Moses, and she takes him and nurses him for three months. Pharaoh's daughter said, I'll pay you to nurse and and take care of this child. And when he's weaned, then you bring him back to me. Isn't it interesting that Moses then is raised in Pharaoh's home, the very home Of the man who sought to destroy all the Hebrews and the Hebrew children, male children, he is now being raised in that home because God wanted a deliverer. And Pharaoh's daughter names the child Moses, which means to draw out because he was drawn out of the water. Well, Moses grows and becomes quite an amazing person. And Hebrews says to us, by faith, Moses. What are some of the things that we learn from Moses? One thing we see from Moses that can be an example for us is that Moses became a protector and a defender. He was willing to protect those who couldn't protect themselves to defend those who couldn't defend themselves. For example, as he grows up in the Pharaoh's home, one day he's out among the fields, among the people, and, and he sees one of the Egyptian taskmasters beating unmercifully one of the Hebrews. Moses is filled with compassion. He knows he's Hebrew. He knows he may be an adopted child in Pharaoh's family, but deep down he was a Hebrew. He couldn't bear to see what was happening. And so he looks around, thinks no one can see, and he steps in to protect this defenseless person and kills the Egyptian taskmaster. But the word got out. People began to see what had happened, talk about what had happened. Pharaoh finds out, decides he's going to have Moses killed. Moses begins to flee. One of the places he goes to is Midian. And while he's there, all of a sudden these daughters of Jethro come up and they're taking care of their sheep and they want to bring their sheep to a watering hole. Some male shepherds come up. They are bullies to these ladies. They drive them away. They abuse them unmercifully. And Moses steps in yet again because he believed he was called to protect and defend those who could not protect and defend themselves. And then he personally waters their sheep. And eventually one of the daughters becomes Moses' wife. You see, Moses' compassion for people made him to be the right person God could use to lead the children of Israel out of slavery Compassion for others is such a, a vital part and he was a protector and a defender because he had compassion and care for other people. I remember when I was entering the ministry, I had an uncle who was a United Methodist minister and he was giving me some advice one day and it was some of the best advice I've ever received. And he said, the first thing you need to do, the most important thing you need to do is to love your people. He said, when your congregation knows that you love them, when your people know that you care about them, then they will follow you. If you try to lead them without loving them, that will not work. Love them first. And Moses was one who loved the people. And the people learned that they could trust Moses because of the way he cared. So Moses was a protector and a defender. But Moses was also obedient. In Exodus chapter 3, you have that beautiful story where Moses is out tending his father-in-law's sheep. And he looks over here in the wilderness and he sees a bush that's on fire. That's not uncommon. It was dry. It was hot. The difference was, though, the bush was not consumed. It it never burned up. It never collapsed in. It just kept on burning. And so Moses decides to, to get a little bit closer and see what's going on. And out of the bush, he hears the voice, Moses, Moses. Now this is where I'm glad the story is Moses instead of me, because the next thing God would have been saying to me was, come back, because I would have been gone. But Moses stops and God says, stop where you are. Don't come any closer. Take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then listen to what God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then God goes on to tell him, and I'm calling you, Moses, I am calling you to be the one to go to the Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Now, There's a beautiful exchange and I encourage you to read throughout the book of Exodus. But Exodus 3 and 4, amazing exchange during the calling where Moses tries to resist until finally God said, I've had it up to here, you're going. And Moses consents to go. Wasn't an easy decision. You may remember, as I just shared, Moses had fled Egypt because the Pharaoh wanted to kill him. And now he's being called go back and bring out all of my Hebrew people and set them free. It reminds me when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed the beautiful prayer, not my will, but thy will be done. Moses is obedient and he goes back. Read the story of the variety of plagues and all the things that occur until finally Pharaoh allows the people to be let go. But we also see that Moses was a leader, an amazing leader. Because as he's leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, with all the miracles that occurred to convince the Pharaoh to go, with all the miracles that continue to occur throughout the trip, periodically the crowd of people would come up and start whining and complaining. I don't know how Moses took it, but the people were always complaining why did you bring us out here just to die out here? For example, they get to the Red Sea and God had protected them and led them and provided all these things to get them there. They see the sea in front of them. They see Pharaoh's coming now behind them, his armies behind, and they come up to Moses. And, and when you read this, you've got to whine a little bit. If you just read it regularly, you'll lose it. You've got to put a little whine. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to have served the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Oh, it would have been tempting if Moses just to go, you know what? Go. Go. I tried, God, I tried. You really want these people? I mean, they whine all the time. But instead, Moses had patience. And he convinced them, you've got to trust God. And God then reveals to Moses to hold up his rod. And the Red Sea then parts. And the people are able to cross on the dry land. And time after time after time, when the people complain, Moses will lead them. Moses will lead them and convince them to follow and to trust. Moses was also a worship leader. I mean, one of the things that you see after the plagues is that Moses will share with them the Passover. And to celebrate remembering how God had passed over in that final plague when the firstborn of all was to be destroyed. But if they took the blood of the lamb and placed it over the doorpost, God would pass over and protect them. But then they carried out that sacred meal of the Passover time and time again, year after year, to be reminded of what God had done. Moses leads them as a worship leader. Remember what God has done. When they cross the Red Sea, what does Moses do when he gets to the other side? Then all of a sudden you hear the song of Moses where Moses goes, now stop. The first thing we need to do when God has protected us, the first thing we're going to do when God has provided a way for us is to give thanks to God. And then you hear the song of Moses, Exodus 15 verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord, I will sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously, horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Read the book of Exodus. You might be surprised to see how much of the book of Exodus is God sharing through Moses. This is what worship looks like. This is how you design the tabernacle. This is how the priests are to be attired. This is what it means to worship and how you were worshiped. But one of my favorite parts of Moses, my favorite things is he was an intercessor. He was willing to stand up for his people and he was willing to intercede even with God on behalf of the people. You might remember in Exodus 32 the story where Moses had gone up onto the mountain to be with God and, and it appeared that he had taken way too long to come back. And so what do people do when they're not sure what to do? Well, if they're Methodist, and I'm convinced the early Hebrews were Methodist, they formed a committee. They got a committee together and started going, what do we need to do? And so finally, somebody comes up with this brilliant idea, which I'm totally facetious, and said, why don't we collect all the jewelry that people are wearing? We'll melt it down. We'll form something with our own hands. We'll call that God and worship that. And would you believe the committee passed it? It was amazing. That becomes the idea. And the next thing you know, even though God had been so faithful, led them out of Egypt... Miraculous plagues separating the Red Sea, providing for them every step of the way. They now begin to worship a golden calf. And as Moses starts coming down the mountain and he hears this partying, he hears this worship going on. He's wondering what happens and God sees what happens. God said to Moses, you need to read this. It's in the Bible. It's a great story. Exodus 32, 9, God says, move over. I've had it with these people. I I have had it with these people. I have decided to destroy them. I'm making it up. Exodus 32, 9. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you, I'll make a great nation. I'll keep my promise, but it's going to be through you, not these people. What does Moses do? Moses begins to intercede with God, conversation with God, prayer to God. And and he says to God in Exodus 32, verse 12, turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants. How you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all this land that I promised, I'll give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he had planned to bring on the people. Moses was an intercessor. One of the things we learn from Moses is how to intercede for others. How to go to God in prayer, not just for ourselves, but on behalf of someone else. To go to God on behalf of someone we love, on behalf of someone who's hurting, on behalf of someone who seems almost helpless. And Moses intercedes and God changed his mind. And finally... One of the things I love most about Moses was he was in relationship with God and it showed. And one of my hopes and my prayers for me and for you is that we are in such an intimate relationship with God that it shows. If you go over, for example, to Exodus 34, verse 29, you hear the story of how Every time Moses would go up on the mountain and spend time with God, when he would come down, his face would be shining. Why? He had a glow. Why? Because he had been in the presence of God. He had a relationship with God and people could see it on his face. One of my dreams is that people will see me and see he loves God All over my face. Exodus 39, 34 rather, verse 29, the scripture said, Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Intimacy with God. Moses can teach us so So much protecting, defending, leading, being a worship leader, being one who is is able to guide, one who is intimate with God. Moses. By faith, Moses. It's an amazing story. I encourage you to spend some time reading. We may not be called to be Moses, Or to be even like Moses in our task. But we can sure learn from Moses and what it means to be faithful, obedient, and to be used by God for God's glory. Will you pray with me? God, we're so grateful for your love and grace and grateful for this opportunity to study Moses, to read more about the story of salvation that you set in place before he was ever born, and how faithfulness and obedience and how being willing to lead and to follow you can change the world. And God, we pray that just as you worked through Moses among your people, that you will work through your Holy Spirit through us that we may make a difference with others for your glory and for your honor. And God, may our relationship with you be so strong that people can see it on our faces. By faith, Moses. By faith, use us, we pray. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.